Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. After analyzing and discussing at considerable length the two moral states that are opposed to each other, uh, lack or loss of self-control, akrasia, and self-control, or if you like, self-mastery, enkrateia, Aristotle is going to consider another state that looks a lot like self-control, but it actually isn't. Let's remind ourselves what self-control really consists in for Aristotle. Aristotle says that in the case of people who aren't either virtuous or vicious, quite often they will find themselves in situations where reason, practical reason, is telling them one thing, urging them towards certain goods, you know, making certain considerations, you could say active or operative, and desire will do others. And it could be desire in the sense of desire for, for food or drink or for sexual pleasure or all sorts of other things. Uh, if you're interested in the many different ways we can be acratic, take a look at some of the other core concept videos. The self-controlled person, through their own choice, follows reason against what at least some of their desires are urging them towards. You might say they, they do have a desire to follow reason as well, but they're the ones who by their choice make that operative. Now it's quite possible to stick with it or stand fast, which is how we typically translate this verb of you know remaining in place that we're translating here as stick with, amening. It's quite possible to stick with things that you shouldn't stick with. Aristotle is not counseling a kind of inflexibility. As a matter of fact, he thinks that if you're not rightly oriented, it's probably not going to do you much good to be resolute or self-controlled or however else you want to translate it. So some people, like he said, stick with their viewpoint, their doxa. You know, that's what we often translate as opinion, but in this case, it could be, you know, resolution, it could be whatever we want. Why? Because they're obstinate. And he's got this long Greek word here, ishurugnomes, right? Which is coming from the word ishus, which means force or, or strength. And then gnomos, you know, sort of sentiment, idea. So these are people who have strongly held opinions, we might say, or strongly held beliefs, and they're not going to budge from them. Nobody is going to convince them otherwise. This is a problem, especially when it comes to moral life, because, you know, as Aristotle notes for us, we typically get a lot of things wrong and need to, you know, learn through experience and through consulting others. And gradually along the way, if we're going to become virtuous, becoming virtuous and then understanding more of it, the person who's stubborn is, is essentially setting up a roadblock not only to change but to any sort of moral development. And Aristotle is going to say, in some respects, they're not really like the self-controlled person. They just appear to be like them. They're a facsimile. They are an imitation that doesn't measure up. So what else does he tell us about these people? He uses two terms here, which are in many respects cognates of each other and a little bit difficult to translate in a way that, that splits them apart. Hard to persuade, deus pestoi, this is coming from pethane or pistos, the, the words that are used to, to mean belief or conviction or persuasion. The art of rhetoric, for example, is about 
creating pistis, creating persuasion. So these are people who are hard to persuade, right? They're also not easily persuaded once they've got something in their mind. Ooh, meta pistoi. Not easily afterwards, we could say meta persuaded. So it takes a while to get them to believe something. Once they believe it, they're going to stick with it, even if the evidence contradicts it, even if they can see negative outcomes. Typically, Aristotle doesn't talk about this, but typically people like this will find ways to make everything else revolve around these, you know, as, as the French call them, idées fixes, you know, fixed ideas that are more valuable to them than actually being in touch with the truth. So this is not a person who actually is a, as Aristotle says, lover of truth, whether in the theoretical or in the practical sense. This is somebody who's more in love with their own ideas or with being right or any of those sorts of things. And Aristotle says that a person like this, as opposed to the self-controlled person who stands firm against desire, actually stands firm against reason. That is, they resist what right reason tells them, and they do engage in some sort of reasoning process, but they're doing it badly, and they are going along with what wrong reason tells them, right? And so they're not proof, as he says, they're not able to actually resist desire. What's really motivating them is indeed some sort of desire. Now, it's unfortunate that Aristotle doesn't uh, tell us much more beyond this than sort of a typology and then a little bit about one of these, because it would be very interesting to see what else he might have to say. He talks about the opinionated, the idiognomones, right? The stupid, that was one way to translate it. We could, we could also say uneducated, although that has a different sort of connotation to it. The amathes. I think there's a difference between lacking education you know, lacking sort of a cultivation that goes with it, which is more than just information, and being genuinely stupid, being unable to figure things out because one is in that sort of mindset. And then there's the, the boorish, the people who are, he's discussed in other places in terms of the virtue that has to do with social life and amusements. But here he's using it, I think, in a, in a somewhat different sense, so we can't automatically transpose that. Now, what does he tell us about these people? He says, the motives of the opinionated are pleasure and pain. What is the pleasure? Well, they like being right. They like the feeling of being right. I think along with this often goes a sense of insecurity or fear about being shown up as being wrong because they don't know what they'll do if they actually turn out to be wrong. But he says, the agreeable sense of victory in not being persuaded to change their minds and the annoyance of having the decrees of their sovereign will and pleasure annulled. That's a fancy way of saying it causes them pain when they don't get to do what, what it is that they want to do. That's what idio means sort of singular, set apart. When we talk about somebody being idiosyncratic, great example of this, people who talk in ways that are liable to lead to confusions, right? You can point out to them, you're, you're using that word in the wrong way. And they'll say, well, I mean it this way. And you'll say, yeah, but that's not what everybody else means by it. And if you keep on using it this way, people are going to misunderstand you. So it doesn't really make any sense for you to be upset that they're misunderstanding you because you're the one who's deciding to do things your own way. That's a matter of being opinionated. 
stupid, Aristotle doesn't tell us much more about this, or boorish, but with, with the stupid we could imagine people who just dig in and they're not going to look at any sort of evidence. They may not in fact be stupid, it may be part of some sort of, you know, psychological dynamic so that they don't have to deal with tension or anxiety or something like that. I saw examples of this with students when I taught face-to-face -face who simply would not bring a textbook to class. And, you know, you would say, look, the whole point of being in the classroom is so we can go over this material together, not just so you can sit back and, and watch me talk. You're supposed to have a reference point. And some students just simply would not get it. Borish, he doesn't tell us much more, unfortunately, about that, but it would be quite nice if he had. I think we can imagine that as somebody who's... You know, if we follow the etymology a bit wild, they can't fit in with um, other people. And, and they're ending up not following reason, and they're following their sense of desire instead. So this is a very important thing to keep in mind. It's not the case that just having resoluteness for its own sake is a good thing. Aristotle doesn't think so. Anything like self-mastery or, or remaining firm in the face of opposition, same thing would go, by the way, for his endurance endurance of pain, it has to be within a context of right practical reasoning. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, Keep studying these great philosophical works.